Welcome to the Yukon Internal Medicine Podcast. This is Alatur Shujan, your host and a chief medical resident at the University of Connecticut. A quick disclaimer before we start. All opinions and views expressed in our podcast are entirely the responsibility of the authors and do not represent the opinions of anyone else in the Yukon Department of Medicine. The content presented is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. With that in mind, I would like to welcome you back to our ambulatory series. And today I would like to discuss evaluation of breast masses in primary care setting. Let's start with statistics. According to the National Cancer Institute, breast, lung, and bronchus, prostate, and colorectal cancer accounted for almost 50% of all new cancer cases in the United States in 2022. Of the four cancer categories, breast cancer has the highest prevalence at 15%, making it the most common cancer diagnosis. While breast cancer is the most common cancer diagnosis, only about 5 to 15% of breast masses that are biopsied result in diagnosis of cancer. This means that 85 to 95% of all breast masses that are biopsied are benign. A careful history such as duration of pain, relationship to menses, current or recent lactation, symptoms of infection can help stratify breast masses into high versus low risk. So let's go over some of the high-yield benign breast masses. It's going to be a long list, but all these conditions are important to recognize, so bear with me. First one is fibrocystic change. It often doesn't have a discrete mass that is palpable, but can present with enlargement of breast tissue that is associated with menstrual cycle. Next one is fibroadenoma. It is a benign solid mass that is firm and mobile and may occasionally present with classifications. Next, we have palpable lymph nodes in breast or axilla. They may be confused for a breast mass. When lymph nodes are tender, they could indicate that lymph nodes may be reactive in the setting of recent illness or infection, sometimes even vaccinations. Nodes that are hard and large or immobile should raise concerns for malignancy. Breast cysts are extremely common and account for 25% of all breast masses. Breast abscesses are typically very tender and may have purulent drainage. Diagnosis is usually apparent clinically, but if the infection doesn't clear with treatment, the lesion would need to be re-evaluated. Remember that inflammatory malignancies can mimic infection, so keep it on your differential. Next, we have lactation mastitis. It presents during lactation as firm nodules frequently associated with pain and erythema. Patients would also usually have high fevers. Next condition also associated with lactation is galactosil. It is a retention cyst that results from obstruction of milk flow ducts. It also can be quite tender. Lastly, we have fat necrosis. It frequently results from blunt trauma, surgery, or invasive procedures that can cause formation of a focal mass. For many of these conditions, a thorough history and exam can help clue you to the right diagnosis. For example, for lactation mastitis or galactosil, patient has to be breastfeeding. For fat necrosis, patient would usually report history of trauma or procedure. Fibrocystic change would have a cyclical presentation. However, even in cases that seem to be obviously benign, co-occurring breast cancer is possible. 
Let's talk about some of the risk factors for breast cancer to help guide our clinical judgment. Age is usually the most important risk factor. For a 30-year-old woman, the risk of developing breast cancer in the next 10 years is 0.45%. For comparison, the risk of developing breast cancer in the next 10 years in a 70-year-old woman is 4.1%. The incidence tends to peak around the age of 70 and decline slightly afterwards. Aside from age, some of the risk factors include family history, especially in first-degree relatives, estrogen exposure, dense breasts, nulliparity, BRCA mutation, and radiation to the chest. While there are some calculators that are meant to help you risk stratify your patient, such as NCI-BCSC model, they can only be used for a general population. This means that patients who present with a palpable mass would not be considered an average risk general population, so you may not be able to use those calculations to establish risk. So after you've completed your history and risk factor assessment, it's time to move on to physical exam. I realize I'm stating the obvious, but make sure patient consents to exam, make sure they're comfortable throughout, and make sure to cover areas you're not actively examining. Talk your patient through your exam as you do it. Before palpation, inspection can help identify any asymmetry, nipple inversion, or skin changes. During inspection, you can ask patient to raise both arms overhead to examine for any asymmetry or retraction with movement. Deeper cancers that invade into pectoralis muscle may retract breast tissue with muscle contraction. When you start palpation part of exam, again, keep areas that you're not actively examining covered and have your patient either completely flat on the exam table or semi-inclined. The patient's ipsilateral arm should be placed above their head. Some of the palpation techniques are concentric circles or parallel rows. Regardless of the method you choose, make sure to examine axillary area as breast tissue extends all the way to axilla, and make sure to check nipple for discharge. Complete exam by examining axillary and supraclavicular areas for lymphadenopathy. Any palpable breast masses, regardless of the presence of concerning features, require further imaging. Now the question is what imaging modality works best? The American College of Radiology recommends that for initial imaging in women younger than 30, generally ultrasound should be used. In women 30 to 39 years of age, generally either ultrasound or mammography should be used. Lastly, in women aged 40 or older, mammography, either 2D or digital breast tomosynthesis should be used. There is little role for MRI initially. It may have value in defining equivocal findings seen in the ultrasound or mammography. After you order imaging on your patient, you will get a report back with BIRATS classification, so it's important we are oriented to the scale. BIRATS stands for the Breast Imaging Reporting and Data System, and it is a scale meant to standardize breast imaging findings. Let's go over it. BIRAT scoring system ranges from 0 to 5. BIRATS of 0 means study was incomplete and additional imaging is needed. BIRATS of 1 indicates a negative study. 
By rats of 2 indicates benign findings. By rats of 3 indicates likely benign findings. By rats of 4 indicates suspicious abnormality. And lastly, by rats of 5 is highly concerning for malignancy. By rat scoring system guides management. So if patient's imaging comes back as by rats of 1 or 2, no further workup is needed. But if diagnostic mammogram read by rats 1 and had findings other than fatty tissue over a mass that's palpable, ultrasound is usually recommended. If by rats are 4 or 5 on mammography, patients should still be referred for ultrasound, but should undergo a biopsy regardless of the ultrasound findings. Generally speaking, adding ultrasound to mammography increases the sensitivity for detecting malignancy such that NPV of the two modalities combined is more than 97%. A little more on ultrasound. In younger women under the age 30, and for some ages 30 to 39, if ultrasound detects a simple cyst, evaluation is usually complete. Fine needle aspiration may be considered. If ultrasound identifies a complex cyst, fine needle aspiration is recommended. If ultrasound detects a solid mass with benign features, core needle biopsy is recommended. If ultrasound detects a suspicious lesion, mammography is usually performed to provide more radiographic information on that lesion. Interesting fact about ultrasound in pregnancy, in general, pregnant patients with breast mass should have an ultrasound done. It is a modality of choice as it spares patients radiation associated with mammography. However, interestingly, because of physiologic changes of pregnancy, sensitivity of ultrasound actually increases in pregnant patients with negative predictive value approaching 100%. The guidelines we discussed today provide good structure and are helpful in guiding management of breast masses. However, sometimes clinical judgment may overrule. For example, if a lesion is highly suspicious for malignancy, physician may still elect to biopsy regardless of reassuring imaging findings. And any highly suspicious lesions on imaging should be biopsied, even if exam appears benign. In those cases, expert consultation and referral to a breast surgeon and breast radiologist may be necessary. This concludes our discussion for today. I hope this was a good overview of breast masses and their management. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you in our next episode.